I had no idea those beer cans were going to blow like that. You left him on a vibrating bed. What did you think was going to happen? Get your notes out. Grab a beer. The Travelers Championship and the Cut Line is here to break it down. Pebble Beach is in the rearview mirror, and as much as we can analyze the third major championship of 2019, the beat rolls on as the cut line breaks down the Travelers Championship at River Highlands. Often the second most attended PGA Tournament on tour, the new schedule has also given us DraftKings fans a very strong field this week. But before that, hello Canada. Hello Australia, hello USA, and hello UK. What we'd like to say, como esta España? That's right, the cut line continues to grow worldwide as we welcome Spain as a part of our valued listeners. Before we get into this week's show, the cut line is dedicated to bringing you the best PGA DFS content out there. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and and, wait for it, Google Play. We continue to grow just for our listeners. So if you enjoy what you're hearing, please subscribe. Leave a comment, even if you hate us. And we will keep this ball rolling. I am Mike Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter. And the Travelers is here. And do we have a special show on tap for you guys? But first... Do me a favor, will you? Would you mind washing off that perfume before you come back to our table? We've officially fired our intern. So if you're interested in joining our team, joining the cut line, make sure you send Zach a DM on Twitter at EaglesFan83. Your requirements, please don't suck. Make us sound good and realize that you're going to be absolutely ridiculed on a daily basis and on every show. Join us or die. Having said that, I can't do this show alone. On the other side of the mic is my man, Mulligan Manafort, Zero Iron Zack. Damn, I split tens at a blackjack table, Manafort. And I'm the guy who plays the don't pass line at the craps table. Zack Manafort, the man, the myth, the minister of the gap wedge, and the three putt extraordinaire. Zack, how you doing, partner? I will take all of those titles to be truths, except for I never play the don't pass line at crap. So don't put that evil on me. I will not taint the You table. split tens. You're um, that guy. I have in the past. I have in the past. I, I don't, but I have as for fun. But I have never played the don't pass line. And I will never. I just I don't like it. I don't believe in it. Uh, but overall, you know, things are going good. I uh, had a good Father's Day. had a good week. Uh, the U.S. Open, you know. Uh, you know, kind of what I expected uh, on the amateur side. I kind of nailed the 6K guys, which I'm really excited about. However, I was disappointed that it played kind of like an amateurish event and it wasn't as hard as it should have been. So, you know, I did. I made a profit. It was a good week. Uh, I just couldn't tie it all together to put it over the top. Uh, so, you know, on to the next week. I think if it would have played a little bit harder, 
it either would have cost me a couple of the 6k guys or i would have had a, a decent be- better showing from the higher price guys so it probably would have ended up the same anyway um i'm ready for this week uh i'm not as excited about the travelers although it is from where i grew up so interesting uh, kind of in my old backyard so kind of excited how was the us open for you uh it was a losing week it ended up being a losing week i just couldn't put one lineup together to really get a lot of money back um i ended up only losing 50 which wasn't that bad but you know, for me, this U.S. Open was such a disappointment from just the golf standpoint, not the DFS standpoint. And it really reminded me of 2017 in Aaron Hills, where everyone just seemed to be scoring. And I just feel that the USG, USGA just really didn't make Pebble hard enough. I mean, there were 34 golfers that were even or under par. You know, in 2016, there were only six golfers that fit that criteria. You know, for me, the U.S. Open is the pinnacle of golf. It is the major of all majors where where a shot in the rough is penalizing. And when you get out of the rough, it's like it's completely amazing if you have a great shot. So there just weren't moments like that for me this weekend. It felt so much like another tournament. And, and a major isn't really supposed to feel that way. It's supposed to feel unique. It's supposed to feel special. And I want my U.S. Open to be like Shinnecock, like like in 2012 and 2013 where the winning score was plus one. I want to see the best pros flounder under the pressure of a par three pin placement that can bury a round. And, and the last time an amateur did as well as Hovland, 1971 with a fifth place finish for Jim Simmons. I mean, 1971. And guess what? Lee Trevino won that year. He won with a even score of par in four rounds. You know, Crazy. so Jim Simmons played out of his mind. And you know, my point is that this US Open really you know, it really put on a show for PGA fans on both sides of the coin. I know some people loved it. They loved the scoring, they loved everything about it. They loved Pebble Beach. And you know, some DFS players just loved watching the golf this weekend. But personally I wanted more. And I think the USGA folded under the pressure of the players. My favorite quote I'm going to paraphrase here. It came from Kepka, and he was talking about past open conditions and how difficult they were. And, you know, he basically said, hey, if you don't like the rough, hit it in the fairway. You know, if the greens are too hard, hit it closer to the hole. And, and that, to me, really resonated for what the U.S. Open should be. So I was very disappointed in the fact that it wasn't that type of tournament. It felt casual. It didn't feel like a major for me. And... I'm happy with the outcome, but long story short, they need to change that next year. Yeah, I totally agree. It was just not what I expected. I don't think anyone expected it to be that that easy. What was your biggest regret, DraftKings-wise? Justin Thomas, I think. Too much? Yeah, a little bit. And I think uh, if I could take it back, my Rob Oppenheim call for the guarantee, I would have made... I should have made Colin Morikawa. I was on the fence about it. Uh, Oppenheim missed the cut on the 18th hole on Friday, which was frustrating. But Morikawa was just far and away the better player. That I should have went with him. I felt like he was going to play better. I had a, a huge amount of him, so that it did help. But you know, looking at it, Justin Thomas was definitely my biggest regret. I just had that. That was what stopped me from having a phenomenal week. Yeah, from a DFS play, he he killed one of my cores. From a betting standpoint, guess who had Woodland? This guy. Oh, man. Yeah, nice. I guess who had uh, Louie in the top 25? This guy. Awesome. I was on fire betting side of things. But, like, DFS-wise, yeah, um, could have been better. Um, I kind of hedged my bets with betting and stuff like that. But I actually, looking back on it, regret not taking action on, on, on Rose. And I know on the pod I said I was on Rose. But 
he was so low owned and ownership projections of mine kind of pointed that out and Kepka too Kepka was a lot lower owned yeah. than I thought it was going to be so I wish I had more of Kepka yeah I know Kepka saved me actually for the first time I didn't fade him in a major and it almost made it all the way to the top but you know I'll take a second place. That's good enough. It was ridiculous. His off the tee game was atrocious. He was so off in that back nine that final day, and he was like just parring and birdieing like crazy. That's my point. He should have been like in like twentieth place by the end of the day. Uh, yep. Yeah, but that's fine. So we're gonna move on to this week's dumbass. This week's winner goes to Chris Raftery. <laughs> Chris Raftery was our winner with only four players through. So, Chris Raftery, nice work, buddy. Chris is the winner of a used golf glove, a new golf glove, a new golf towel, and a used putter from Played Against Sports, which I personally bought for $3. Now, we're going to switch things up this week to hopefully get more people involved. To get into this giveaway, all you have to do is retweet the Cutline's initial post of the Travelers Cham- Championship podcast going live, which will be tomorrow at some point. And the point, well, today, Tuesday. The point of this award is to make sure that those who mess up in a previous week or this week or whatever's going on in their tournament lives, they just feel better about themselves because they actually win something. And it's the least that the Cutline can do. But we're, we're hoping for more involvement. So, for this week's winner, we're going to contribute a brand new box of Strixon golf balls and, of course, our infamous plunger. That's right, boys. 16 brand new golf balls. Not used, not abused, ready to hit the links. What do you think? It's going to work? Oh, I think it's going to work. I hope it works. I hope I win. You can't win it. <laughs> oh. We'll see. Someone retweet me. We'll see. Maybe someone else will win. You're already in charge of hiring our new intern. So Now, the cut line is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the... <laughs> I did it again. <sighs> of the Travelers Championship at Rivers <laughs> River Highlands. <laughs> so, and we're going to do the best we can... What is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? I guess it's all that pumping. Pumping dump. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday. And we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is your tournament lineup in the green, but so is your bankroll. Cutline is here to give you the plays to build your best lineups week in and week out. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? Yo! I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. So if you have issues with your lineups, Zach and I are going to make sure that you get all the information you need to simply build better. And as always, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFS enthusiasts. Fantasy National is helping draftees create unique lineups based on key stats and analysis. Trying to figure out why you're struggling week in and week out? More than likely, it's because you're not considering Fantasy National. You're ending up on the wrong end of the flag stick, so I ask you, 
How are your lineups doing? This week, the cut line is going to tackle a listener question. We were asked, basically, hey, I have $25 to play. What should I do? And Zach and I are going to go over some probability, overlay, and skill that come into this play. We agree and disagree on certain concepts and ideas, but I'm going to start things off. First of all, big money-wise, if you're doing the 20 max, the first thing you need to do is download Google Chrome, then go to the add-ons and add the Roto Grinders add-on edition. It shows you the overlay in each tournament and the margin of victory for each tournament and percentage. Then you can go to your lineups and see how many people, players, golfers that you own in each of your lineups. It's a great tool to have and it's free and it's compatible with DraftKings. It's a great way to start your week. It's a great way to look for overlay. It's a great way to take advantage of tournaments where you can make money and increase your probability to make money. All right. So you have $25. Here's what you do not do. You do not take that $25 and enter four or five lineups into the $4.150 max. It's a terrible idea. Probability-wise, you are not going to win. Agree, Zach? Totally agree. Yeah, completely. It's just a waste of your time and a waste of money. People are entering 150 bullets into that, and they're increasing their probability to win anywhere from 1% to 3%, better than your less than half percent with your four bullets. I don't think that is the best strategy for you. Now, I get it. You want to win big money, but you're in an ocean of sharks, and the best image I can do for you, go to Ship My Money's Twitter page. Look at his 150 entry max for baseball. His lineups are scattered across the whole tournament standings from the bottom to the top. But the point is, one lineup wins you a GPP. One lineup wins you a GPP. That's the point of a GPP. You're not looking to get 60 lineups cashing so you make a lot of money. You want first place. You want the max amount of money coming back to you. Notorious had those last two weeks which were insane in terms of ROI, but you need to know that he's max entering those contests. All right. Other tournaments, Zach, that you would do with this twenty five bucks. For me, it's just about, you know, some things I won't do and I I know people do it, but I'm not entering a single or two lineups into the Millie Maker. To me it's just the same as entering the four dollar, hundred and fifty max. The probability of you winning and the way the payout structure is on the Millie Maker, you're just bur- you're just lighting it on fire. I mean, the drop off between first and second is ridiculous. So unless you're going to basically take the twenty dollars and go buy twenty lottery tickets, you'll probably win more that way than you will with one lineup in the Millie Maker. Uh, for me, the lineups that I would play that I've had the most successes is playing the higher buy-in single entry or three max. So if I had twenty five bucks, I would do one of two things. I would play the twelve dollar single entry, which has a pretty flat payout structure. You're not playing against uh, multi-entry people. You're playing at a, You're winning decent money for first through fifth. Um, you know you can play the twelve dollar and you can play the three entry max for the five dollar. Give yourself four lineups. You're playing on even ground with everybody else. Um, and to me, you don't have to worry about percentage wise. I agree with your whole process up to that point. The Roto Grinders app is phenomenal. Um, it helps out on everything. Make sure you're not playing contests that don't pay right or. You know that the rake is too much especially nowadays the other thing you can do if you really really want to get exposure to gpps and you have 25 dollars 
I mean, to me, I would play the $2 chip shot. It's a smaller contest. You're not playing against 66,000 different people. Uh, first place still play, pays a decent amount. Um, you still get a couple bucks left over, and you get the MME experience. So it really depends on what you're going for. Honestly, for me, I prefer the single entries and the three-entry maxes. I just feel it levels the playing ground uh, for most everybody. But if you really want to get that MME experience and you only have $25, sure, I would do the $2 chip shot. Um, that, those are the two that I'd recommend. I, I love the mini max personally, but you know I feel like it's just a you'll just you're eating yourself alive in rake. And if you're only going to play it one week, and if you don't win, you're not playing again next week. It, it, I don't know. I just think you won't have enough to max enter the next week because a greater percentage of your lineups probably won't make it through the cut line, and you're going to lose money and lose money. And the way GPP strategy works is you're basically trying to tread water until you hit that week where it all clicks. And you take take one down. So unless you're going to commit to a long time of playing mass multi-entry GPPs, play the single entries and three maxes and just enjoy it. See, now the issue with the 5K chip shot, at least that I have, is that you're not going to be maxing out. That that is the problem. And oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you play the one the one dollar. Um, God, what's it called? The one dollar twenty max. Yeah. I mean, you could. I don't like that. I, I, I don't like that tournament much at all. I mean, honestly, if I would play the just find the extra 15 bucks and play the $2 chip shot. I would, I would say find the 60 bucks and do the $3 20 max. But yeah, but that's so much bigger. But like, I don't know. Well, anyways, uh, if, yeah. if, but the, is there a $3 this week or is it four? I haven't it's even three. Well, okay. okay. Then yes, I continue yes. with that $25 though. I, I'm all about bullets here. And you get 100 lineups in that 25K mini max, which is 150 max. So you're, you're almost maxing out. You're 50 short of maxing out. And I guarantee you at 25 cents a pop that you're going to be one of the very few that even has 100 lineups because that is just an amateur GPP tournament. Now, it's still not an ideal strategy because one lineup is going to get first. And I think it's like 50. 50th place 30th place and you're finally getting money back from all your entries but regardless one entry wins the tournament and the more bullets you have in play the better your odds and i think you need to be realistic like you need to max enter whatever contest you're you're joining so if you are doing a three entry max doing one entry in a three entry max serves you no good okay if you look at at, (coughs) at the best players you know, if you look at if you look at Siege or El Jefe or Ship My Money or Noto or even like Gup or Tambo, you know they are max entering everything. Okay, before Notorious is hundred thousand dollar win and fifty thousand dollar win, he's max entering everything he can. You also need to understand that the more money you have in play, the smaller the field, and that's advantageous. But you've got to understand your skill level. If you don't know how to build models, understand PGA, DFS, whatever the case may be, you're going to struggle against the Sharks. Okay, They're going to tear you a new one, no matter how good your fantasy national, uh, national model is. You, you need to get beyond that. So I, I think people got to keep their egos in check, to be honest, and go for smaller, smaller tournaments. I would even argue go for the quintuple ups. You know? Nah, I don't, I don't know. I think you have to have a certain mindset to play the quintuple. If, you, if you're trying to win a GPP, you're not going to play the quintuple ups the same and probably not cash. Potentially. Potentially. Um, 
I, it just depends on the competition you're, you're looking at. You can look at each individual tournament and click on who's in there and see who's in there. Sure. So, I, I'm just more on the mindset is play the higher dollar tournaments against a smaller field. Um, you mean, I, I mean, I'm not advocating play the $100 single entry by any means because, yes, that's a skill level game. But I feel like the 12, the, God, was it 27? Um, I think those are the two, like, mid-level tournaments that I would probably recommend as a single entry because I mean you're, you're playing against yes you're playing against the guys that are allowed to play that level which is everybody but they're not multi-entry you're putting yourself on an even ground you make the best lineup you can you don't have to worry as much about ownership because you're not playing 100,000 other people you're only playing 12,000 20,000 um, so you don't have to worry about ownership as much so you can concentrate on making the best lineup you can and differentiating one or two guys instead of having to worry about you know finding that sub 1% guy that's going to take you over the yeah. top. My last bit of advice would be those three entry max, 118 total. Now the payout's not that great, but you know, you have three entries at 118, you know, 118 player field that I think is advantageous for the, for the draftee, especially if you hit the nuts and you enter that lineup in multiple, you know, occasions for that to occur. But lastly, last bit of advice, best odds, get out of the ocean, jump into the pond, jump over to Yahoo and you're playing with far more casual players. I, I think if you are invested in DFS golf, you listen to us, you listen to any other podcasts out there, you have subscriptions to, to, to other potential sites that are going to help you jumping over to Yahoo is really going to help you. Now the payouts are way smaller, but it's a grind. You know, it's called Roto grinders for a reason. You know, it's not like, hey, here's all the money because we have all the best information. It takes a while to get to that level. Um, so last bit of advice, look at ownership and leverage those plays. But anything else you want to add to that? No, I think, I think you covered it all. I, I, that's exactly what I was all thinking. Right. So this week, the PGA Tour tackles the Travelers Championship. And just a bit of information for you. Never, never in its entire history, has a competitor that's finished in the top 10 of the U.S. Open ever won the Travelers Championship that year. So players in the field that fit criteria include Brooks Kepka, Jez Reby, Louis Oosthuizen, and Mr. Hadley. Now the Travelers Championship is a scorer's course where the winner will be anywhere from the high teens to even 20 strokes under par. How ridiculous is scoring this TPC River Highlands? Jim Furyk scored a 58. Yes, that Jim Furyk. Past winners in the field include Bubba Watson, Jordan Spieth, Russell Knox, Hunter Mahan, Phil Mickelson, and Mark Leishman. Zach, what are the golfers looking at this weekend? Well, TPC River Highlands, Cromwell, Connecticut. My own backyard. I grew up about 15 minutes from there. I actually worked in Cromwell for about two years of my life back in, uh, God, I don't even know when that was, early 2000. Uh, so, you know, familiar with the area, familiar with the course. Never played there. Wasn't really into golf back in the day, but, you know, I know the area a little bit well. So, you know, it's a par 70 course, a shorter course this year, or this time around, 6,841 yards with only two par fives. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be a short course as, as we expect, and it's tree-lined. There's water in play on four holes, but you know there's not really they're not really a threat as we've seen the scores here be ridiculous. So not a concern, but you know if the wind picks up, you might see that come into play as we'll talk about here in a minute. 
you know, to prevent a birdie fest because of the way it's so short and, you know, how the wind doesn't come into play, they defend it with really tough pin positions. So it's going to put a huge emphasis on iron play this week. And then really on wedge play around the green is going to be a, a huge, uh, a huge issue if given the length of the course. The greens this week are POA, but they also have some bent grass built into them. So, you know, good luck trying to figure out putting splits on, on a mixture of, of green types here. Uh, the weather this week is where it gets interesting for me. Right now, we're looking at Thursday morning. It's calm with about 6 miles an hour, gusting up to 12. It'll pick up between 10 and 17 mile an hour gusts in the afternoon, and it's going to rain. Friday, it continues looking worse with rain pretty heavy in the mornings, but the winds are going to be all right between 6 and 9 with gusts from 14 to 22, which is a little crazy, but they'll even pick up even more Friday afternoon from 22 to 31 miles per hour, potentially between 11 and 2. So right now, if all things stay the same, we're looking at potentially a Thursday p.m., Friday a.m. tea time advantage. They get the light ring in the course in the afternoon on Thursday, and we'll play through a little bit of heavy stuff on Friday, hopefully no delay, and that'll help them avoid the peak winds. So, you know, this is something to really pay attention to as we get closer to Thursday. Um, this is probably the closest we've come, I think, in the past like month or two to having potentially a clear yeah, weather advantage. So people, yeah, so people might not be paying attention to, you know, having to worry about weather because they've just been setting it and forgetting it for weeks now. Um, you know, it's not ideal because this course doesn't really penalize you on wind, but there is four holes on the water. So a 10 to 15 mile an hour gust difference uh, could be a pretty significant advantage in tee times. So it's something that I would consider taking a look at, um, you know, as the guys play some holes that get closer to the water. Uh, for me, for stats this week, I'm primarily looking at, you know, strokes gained on a short game, strokes gained off the tee, GIRs gained, par four scoring from 400 to 450, which there's eight holes in this range. So that's going to be a huge uh, stat for me. Scrambling, an issue, it could be, you know, I've seen it hit and miss over the years. Proximity, 150 to 175 is where a lot of the shots come from. Strokes gained approach, and then DK points is going to be huge here with the, with the birdie fest it's been over the past couple years. Uh, for me, you know, looking at all the history of, of TPC Highlands over the years, it really just shows you that there's no real clear stat that, that is, is a winner here. Some guys are strong off the tee. Some guys have short gaming ones. Some guys win with good scrambling. So you really have to have an all-around game here. And that's kind of how I'm weighting most of these stats is even across the board. Uh, the, the emphasis I'm probably putting on is that par 4, 400 to 450 because there's just so many holes in that range with eight total on the course. Um, so that's what I'm looking at this week. What about you? Well, being such a scores course, I'm looking at scoring stats. So, of course, birdies gained, um, green and regulation percentage, and green and regulation putting. As you mentioned with the par fours, I'm looking at par four scoring and par four scoring from that 400 to 450 yard range. I mean, the, that that length equals more than half the course. And my favorite other stats to look at are ball striking and approach. I, I'm going to weight ball striking very heavily this week. I think it's a second shot course. Absolutely. Now, don't 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 discount bombers by any means. Bubba Watson has dominated this course um, to, to multiple victories. So don't just say, oh, I'm going to play second shot guys and avoid bombers by all means. And, and especially with the rain, you know, if this course plays soft, that being a bomber is going to be a huge advantage. So, yeah. Um, but other than that, those are the stats I'm looking at, and I'm going to absolutely take advantage of both long-term form as well as short-term. I think it's one of those tournaments where you can find some low ownership plays based on long-term form and current player and their current status just being awful. So that's kind of what I'm looking at, and, and, and that's going to lead us straight into our Birdie or Better segment. And this is where Zach and I break down each of our tier of golfers in this week's DraftKings player pool. 
So we're going to give our favorite plays as well as golfers that we intend to fade or just don't like. And thinking about that idea of, you know, a pivot, I'm going to go straight to that 11-10K range. I'm looking at Jason Day. All right. Jason Day, to me, is the perfect low-owned pivot that is going to be he, – he could win this tournament, okay, historically. You know, he's, he's an incredible putter, incredible putter. You know, he's 12th in the last 100 rounds in that 400 to 450 range. But now if you look at his approach game recently, he's been abysmal. He's 85th, okay. He's going to be overlooked because of his recent play, which has not been that great. But Jason Day, in my opinion, is is, is – turning it around after you look at the u.s open he was quietly in 21st place gained strokes across the board and was exceptional t to green as he gained six strokes t to green i like jason day this week as a low owned pivot yeah i'm with you on day i i'm not a big jason day fan but for me he, he does line up well here and i don't think you know i'm not a big fan of most of the 10k and up guys you know, he's probably my second choice in the 10k range and that's mainly because of what you mentioned and then you know, he's, he's actually been a pretty good uh, drafting score on shorter courses under like 7,200 yards. He's fourth over his last 36 um, rounds on these type of courses, and he comes in second uh, in the short game. So, you know, he's done well here historically in the past, too. He got 12th last year and 18th in 2014. And, and you know, he's, you're right. He's coming off 21st last week where, you know, not phenomenal, but looked in pretty good shape. He's been in the top 25 the last four out of the last five events, and he, only, he missed his cut three weeks ago, but... Now, other than that, he's been playing pretty solid golf. And for 10K, that's not a bad deal. Uh, I don't know how much I'll, I'll have of him because I think I'm going to go on a balanced approach this week. But if I end up in the 10Ks that I don't go off uh, the next guy I'm going to talk about, I'll, I'll have some Well, right now I got day at 10% ownership. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to see how it shakes out. I just don't see myself going up to this range a lot. All right, who else do you like? I think the only other guy in the 10K range that I would even mention or 10K and above is, is Cantlay. And I think he's going to be Chalk City. Uh, he ranks up number one for me. He's number one in DK scoring over his last 36 short courses. He finished 15th here last year, coming in in great form. You know, 21st last week, again, not the best. But, I mean, first before that, third, third, ninth in his last couple of events played. Um, I mean, he's just playing phenomenal golf. I just don't see a reason to fade him here. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I'm going to have pieces of Cantlay. Um, I'm probably going to be still underweight on him just because that's how my mindset is. I, I try to fade these kind of chalky plays, but you know, overall in my, in my, um, custom model, he ranks number one, you know, but number five in my mixed condition model, historically he's elite for this course. You know, the only thing you really have to worry about is his putting, but his putter has been pretty on lately. What it hasn't been on is his proximity to the hole. And that's something that concerns me being a second shot course. But you know what? If he's putting well enough, proximity shouldn't matter that much. But he is kind of middle of the field recently in his recent form in that 400 to 450 range. He does need a top five to pay off. So with that ownership, I'm willing to leverage against that and be underweight on Cantlay, in my opinion. So, No, I agree with you. I'm not a fan of the over 10K range as a whole, but Cantley is the only one that I could see myself making a strong case to have a fair share of. But I think for me, I'll be under 10 for the most part. Yeah. Next guy I have interest in is, is, is Jordan Spieth. His recent play has been so good. And his course history here is just simply astounding. He fits the course so well. He's even said that like he, he loves this course. He fits courses that Bubba Watson plays well. 
And guess what? Bubba has won here multiple times, and so Spieth has won here before as well. So I do like Jordan Spieth. Now, recently, recent form, okay, he's 39th. He ranks out 39th, but he's 30th in strokes gained par 4, 27th in par 4s, 400, 450 yards. In the last 100 rounds, he's 8th in birdie or better gained. I want that scoring from Jordan Spieth. And I'm not too worried about that short game anymore. I'm not worried about the putter. I was worried about it when, when he wasn't doing that well. Now, at the U.S. Open, he lost a half stroke, okay, and he finished in 65th. But this is after he finished 7th at the Memorial, 8th at the Schwab, and 3rd at the PGA, 29th at the Byron Nelson, okay? He had a 54th at the RBC Heritage, 21st at the Masters, 30th at the Valero. If I'm getting Jordan Spieth at sub-10% ownership, book it. I'm putting him in one of my cores. I'm overweight. Yeah, here's my here's my issue with Spieth, and you know it's been an issue for him this season, which it really it really concerns me. What we've seen in the past on this course is you have to hit fairways to win. Yes, he won in 2017, but he was hitting over 59% of the fairways on on that win. You look at him now, coming off the tee, he's 119th uh, over the last 36 on on shorter courses. That to me is concerning. He turned it around in 2017 for that one event, but you know for the most part he is not gaining strokes off the tee. Uh, even if you just take out the court, the short course history, I mean the short course yardage, and put it on the last um, 20 events, he's losing strokes off the tee, and that to me is is a concern. All right, that makes sense. In this range, I don't feel that anyone is fadeable. I can go lower weight on certain guys, but even Kepka. Um, I think a lot of people are going to go psychologically thinking they know Brooks Kepka and say, man, he's going to be nonchalant, non caring after finishing second place at the U.S. Open. But there's not a lot of history here with Kepka playing after a major. So there's not anything really to back that up. And if you look at his course history, we got 19th last year, 9th in 2016, 51st in 2014. This is a different golfer. He can win this tournament. I think Kepka's going to come in low-owned, and he could be a great leverage play. He's the top Vegas play, number one player in the world, one of the best scorers. Are you going to have any of Brooks Kepka? No, I just can't pay the price. I mean, yeah, I agree with you on all, all of those things, but for me, he's just not going to fit with what I'm trying to do. I get it. I get it, absolutely, but I, I just can't fit him. Right. Let's move. And I will have no, and I will be fading speed. Jeez, week. so we're just going to fade the whole 10K range for you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm, I am not, I just don't like it. I don't, I don't think you need to have anyone in the 10K range to win. I, don't, I honestly don't think the winner will be in the 10K range. All right. All right. Let's move on to that 9K range. Why don't you uh, kick it off for us? All right. Uh, so the winner of the Travelers Championship, Paul Casey, coming in at 9,500. He's coming off another another guy coming off a of 21st last week. And, you know, his history here over the past four years is phenomenal. Last four years, he has a second, a fifth, a 17th, and a second. He, he knows the course. He knows how to play it well. He's coming in great form. Now, he's going to be chalk, sure. Uh, but I'm willing to eat that He's going to be My the only chalk. concern... Oh, yeah. I mean, he will be. And that's fine because if you have the winner, you just differentiate elsewhere. So I'll take the winner. Uh, so here's my concern. I, and I'll caveat he's the winner with he's a, he's been awful scrambling over his last 36 rounds. But 
even though he ranks so low in scrambling, he still grades out seventh overall for me. And that's because he's been second in DK scoring, fifth in proximity, seventh off the tee, fifth in GIR game, and ninth in approach. Uh, I just, you know, the scrambling worries me a little bit, but as long as he's hitting fairways and he has been off the tee, I have no reason to fade Casey. And I will, I don't know, I'm going to eat, eat it all this week. I like Casey as well, but I think that ownership percentage is only going to go up. Then that's fine. I'll, I'll go up with it. I, I hate eating that much chalk. Because it's either you're going to be with the 26% or against it. And that's such yeah. a leverage play. And I'm not saying he's not in great form. He's in, he's in fantastic form. You know, the only thing I worry about him is, is, is his last eight rounds. He struggled on those 400 450-yard par fours. That is something that I worry about. In my mixed condition model, he ranks ninth overall. Um, at the U.S. Open, finished in 21st. Only thing he lost strokes in was around the green. Week before that, at the, P- yep. or at the last time at the PGA, lost you know almost four strokes putting. So he's not really tying it together. The week that he did, finished fourth at the Wells Fargo. All right, finished first at the uh, at the Valspar, but then missed the cut at the Masters, missed the cut at the Players, third at WGC Mexico, 25th at Genesis. So he seems to do well on these crap-ass courses. And, you know, you take away the U.S. Open and the PGA, that's kind of the narrative for him this year. Um, so my concern is, is that ownership. Is it going to bite you in the ass? Are you going to be able to deviate enough from, I mean, 26% Paul Casey. Yeah, I'll have, I will be at 40%. Well, you're going to have to double it. Yeah, yeah, that's, my minimum is 40 at this point. I'm not going to go Matt Kuchar crazy, but I'm going to, I'm going to double it for sure. Yeah. I think another golfer that a lot of touts are, are just on right now, and, and I agree with their concepts and ideas, is Justin Thomas. The problem is everybody's talking about him. And his ownership is going to is just going to inflate and inflate and inflate, and if he just gets that putter going, he can easily win this tournament. Agree? Yeah, I do agree. I just think he's overpriced for here. Why, why is why is he overpriced? Why is Justin Thomas at ninety eight hundred overpriced just because of his recent form? Yeah, I think that's exactly why. I mean, he hasn't shown. I mean, he's he should be low nine k in my personal opinion. I mean, in three weeks, he's miscut, 20th miscut, and then he didn't play for six weeks. Dude, I would love it if you worked for I mean, DraftKings and did the pricing for these golfers. I, I, I don't think he – I just think he's too much. I think he's too much. You're telling me he's 200 – he has a better – as much of a shot as day, but more of a chance to win than Casey? No way. He should be 91, 9200. You are talking about Justin Thomas, the seventh-ranked – golfer in the world and you want to put him at 9200 yeah that's ninth that's ninth overall yeah i think so off his recent form so who would you replace him with that's 9200 i wouldn't i would just move casey above him and move okay we'll say 9300 i'd put him with fleetwood i'd move thomas under casey and i put him at 9300 no way yeah it would be a bargain be a steal no, no, I disagree. Look, every tout is talking about Justin Thomas, and regardless okay. if he's overpriced or not. Um, so in, in my private model, he ranks number two, man. He is like 
screaming, play me, play me, play me. I mean, the guy scores. He does it all. All he has to do is figure out the putter, and he's winning this tournament. Disagree. Look, I'm going to... I think I think, pre, I think early in the year, Justin Thomas, yes. I think current Justin Thomas. I mean, right now, his odds are what, 20 to 1? That's... I'm gonna fine. I'm gonna say this: you, you don't play him on DraftKings. You bet him. Hedge your bet. Oh, that's fair. Hedge your bet. That's fair. I, I would. I, yeah, I would do that. But I'm not gonna put him in my lineups this okay. week. Who else you got in this 9K range? I think my pivot here is uh, is Bryson DeChambeau at 9200. You know, I've been I've been off of him for weeks. I, I don't think I've been on him for. God, I can't remember the last time I recommended him. I just don't think he set up well for a lot of the courses in the last month or so and for the most part i've been pretty much right on fading him he hasn't finished better than 20th since uh, the genesis back in february you know his stats coming into this week aren't aren't crazy either so they're not going to draw a lot of people in he's six in dk scoring and approach over you know courses under 7200 over his last 36 uh, but what i do like here is that he's played better here every year over the last three years last year he had ninth the year before that 26 and the year before that 47th I think this is a great spot for him to play the game he does best. He is a scientific guy. He goes off data. You know, he's got the data here, and it shows that he's improving his game every single week. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for Bryson to come out of this kind of, you know, plodding along in 20th, 30th place kind of funk he's been in and come back to the Bryson that he was when he was dominating uh, earlier in the year and a little bit last year. 9,200, I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him, especially with who's around him, with Casey, Fleetwood, and everyone paying up for Justin Thomas this week. Um, so I like Bryson as, as a pivot. I like Bryson too, and I like it for his long-term form. Eventually, he's going to have that yep. positive regression back to who the golfer he was. And this is the perfect course for him to do that, especially at 9,200. 9,200, just looking at the yep. top 10, top 15, and he pays off. So... um. Furthermore, you know, he dominates on approach and ball striking. And I think he even said himself, like, he's just in his own head. And nothing cures those ills than a great first hole and then a second hole and then a birdie on a par three, whatever the case may be. I think DeChambeau's a great play. I hope, I I hope he is low-owned. I want him yep. at sub-12%. I mean, yep. I, Agreed. ideally, yeah, less than 10 I think someone who fits that same criteria, who's even a little bit more quiet, is Tommy Fleetwood at 9,300, just a hundred bucks above him. I mean, we are still talking about last year's DFS darling, him and Fina. Like you just own them every single week, and we're in over the last hundred rounds. Par four scoring, 19th. Um, on, on the par, par four scoring, 400, 450 yards, 33rd. I don't think Fleetwood's playing as bad as everyone says he is. You know, I mean, 81st yeah. in his proximity. I, I think they're just comparing it to some arbitrary statistical figures of last year when he was playing his best golf. The guys never went on tour. We talk about this all the time. And it, 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 it frightens me to be overweight on Fleetwood, especially considering he's never won. But he could win here. He can go on a birdie fest. His showing at the U.S. Open was not promising, though. He struggled off the tee, struggled around the green, struggled with putting. That's fine. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll shrug it off. And I like Fleetwood this week. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't get on board. You know, I look at his, his form going back to 2018, and it really it just screams roller coaster to me. Uh, you know, he ended the year 
in pretty decent form with a, with a seventh at WGC back in uh, last October. And then, you know, kicking off the season when he played at the ATT and Pro-Am, he got 45th. And then at the Genesis, he got 28th. And then WGC Mexico, he got 19th. Arnold Palmer, he got 3rd. And then we've reached the top of the roller coaster. The players, he got 5th. The Masters, he got 36th. The PGA Championship, 48th. Last week, U.S. Open, 65th. I mean, he's coming. I think he reached his peak, and I think he's coming downhill. Uh, something is not right in Fleetwood's game. And I think it's just too much to pay for a guy who's not never played here before and you know you're right if he turns it all around and gets the you know puts it all together he's going to win but i don't think it's going to be a, at a course he's never played potentially right now i have fleetwood just barely over 10 percent ownership i mean if that number drops below 10 i'm all over him i mean statistically for me he ranks out second in the stats i'm looking at on short courses over his last 36 but you know looking at his form and looking at you know um his history of never winning and I, I just can't I'm not going to lean on the stats on a course he's never played before and think that this, that's going to be his first PGA Why not? win I just I don't see it I mean he, he can't I don't think he can do it alright it's more of a gut call stats call tells me to play him but I'm not I'm not in on him well there's only two left in this range we might as well talk about him I have neither, so you can tell me why I should play them because I'm going to tell you. Well, not. Leishman, former champion, <laughs> Finau, yep. same situation as Fleetwood and DeChambeau. Yep. I mean, we got low interest in because he hasn't finished the way DFS owners want. Again, everyone remembered owning owning T- Tony Finau. He, you're right; he doesn't look right. He does not look right. I'll, I'll completely agree with you that Finau looks off, big time, especially in his last 24 rounds. Like. He's struggling on par fours. He's struggling on approach. He's he's struggling everywhere. In the miscut at the U.S. Open, terrible in approach, terrible in putting. You know, it, barely even off the tee, not nearly good enough tee to green. The only where place he was successful was around the green, and and that's misleading. You don't want to be successful around the green. You want to be on the green. So, now, can you turn it around? In May, he finished second at the Schwab. After that, two missed cuts. You got you have no interest in Fina. Uh, no, I don't. I do not. I just don't think he looks right at all. I, I think the scoring course just gives these players opportunity to turn things around. And they shouldn't go overlooked. Especially I mean that's a theory that's the theory I'm going with with Bryson, but I just think the analysis that I've done just shows that there is a path like he historically has done better every year whereas Finau um you know 25th 25th 17th in 2017 uh, and then 25th two years prior to that I mean, not great not really improving coming off two missed cuts I don't know I, I just don't see a correlation anywhere here that screams that I should play how, how heavy I, I I could agree with you a little bit on Leishman but on Finau, well, how heavy are you weighting recent form? Um, you know, not as heavy, not really that heavy, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to discount, you know, last week's performance. I'm not going to count that heavily as it's a major. You know, guys play different. Uh, although it was not as hard of a major as years past, but you know, I'm looking at like two, three, four, five weeks and five weeks ago, where you know the courses weren't that hard. Um, if guys are struggling there leading up to a major, then I'm going to have some concerns. I just think long-term, if you look at Finau long-term, he is an elite par-4 
player from that range, that 400, 450 yard range. And he's an yeah, elite no, ball striker. I, can, I, can I, I don't think that just goes away for that long. No, I, yeah, you, you have a you have valid point. I just don't, I don't, I'm not feeling it this week. And for for that for that matter, on Leishman, you know, you look at his long term form, and he's just not good off the tee. Mm-hmm. I get it; he's won here before, but you know, last five lost point six strokes, last twenty gained point four, last hundred and eighty gained point three. I mean, he's historically not gaining strokes off the tee, and that for me, that's where my my concern with Leishman okay. lies. Well. I mean, we're, we are basically covering everyone in these upper ranges, but I think in the AK range, we're gonna we're gonna get some different yep. answers here. Why don't you kick it off for us? Yep. Uh, I only have two guys in the AK range, and and the first one is one I hate when it comes up as a guy that I want to play is, and heavy. It's Ches Revia, eighty four hundred. You know what I mean? He's ninth in my my model, and that's because he's f- first in par four, four hundred four fifty on short courses, and seventh in approach, third in proximity, and fourteenth in DK scoring. Um, he's played relatively well here in the past. Uh, I've actually just lost his stats on what I was looking at. So you got to give me a second. Yeah, so missed cut last year, but then has made the cut here one, two, three, four, five, six times. Not really doing that great. I mean, mid 40s and 20, mid 43, 11th, and 68. So, I mean, he's not showing off here and he's not jumping off the page, but he is coming off a third last week. If we're going to look at recent form, he's playing pretty pretty solid and he's, he's shown consistency on these courses over the last year or so so i have some interest in Revi. i don't know how much it probably won't be a lot because i don't like being overweight on him because it never works out for me uh, but i do like him this week ches Revi, 8400 seems a bit pricey seems inflated because yeah. of the u.s open yeah if you're gonna be overweight on recent form Revi makes sense you know he statistically fits that mold but the guy is just always all over the place um, he's either going to top 25 it for you or he's going to miss that cut, finish towards the bottom of the standings. He's never going to give you that solid round. Um, and he's not really a scorer by any means. So that, that kind of concerns me. I think he'll have inflated ownership because of the finish last week. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I don't think I'll have a lot of him. I just thought it was interesting that he came up that high. And I always like to dig a little bit deeper when Revy shoves up to the top. No, I mean, it absolutely makes sense. It, it, it does. And, and you know, he, he, he ranks high in my model. He ranks number nine in the last 25. Yeah, nine so, for me as well. You know, 18th in ball striking, 14th in approach, 10th in par fours, second in proximity, you know, overall proximity. So 32nd in scrambling. So he, his game is intact in right now to be successful at this course. There's just so many other golfers involved here that we have to be worried about. Do we want to take that risk on a chalky, somewhat chalky Ches Revy? So um, I'm going to go with my fade here. I'm going straight to my fade. And I know we haven't really talked about anyone, but I'm fading Phil again. You know, and and, and I just I don't want to get caught in that trap anymore of trying to figure out if he cares or does not care. And, <laughs> like, I don't know if Callaway or one of his – cock-sucking sponsors wants him to head out there to you know show off their brand do a little dance whatever the case may be and then he tweets about his calves or some short game lesson but i'm just not on phil uh, i don't like the way he's playing i think he looks old like 
No, I, I, I'm with you. I just want to say that I was right yesterday, last week about Phil making oh, great. the cut. Oh, great. Regardless yeah. of how awful, regardless of how awful he's, his form was, he was never going to miss the cut. Doesn't there. matter. It didn't because he was priced too high for where he finished. But had he played like he did Thursday and Friday, he may have should have finished better. I don't know what the hell happened, but he didn't make the cut. And I just wanted to point that out. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get you some kind of award. <laughs> Give me the plunger. All right. I, I think the big talk here is going to be Bubba Watson. What are you going to do with Bubba? You know, I see way too many people saying Bubba. And for 8900 here, eh, nah, no thanks. See, I still got him at sub 12%. I've, I haven't read a lot about this this week, but the three or four articles I've read have all mentioned Bubba. And, you know... Yeah, I mean, he's won here twice. Three, three times. times. He loves this course. Uh, Why would yeah. you not? Well, you don't yeah, want but, a piece of Bubba Watson. Let me look at last week. Miscut. Week before, 63rd. Miscut. Eh. eh. He, takes, he takes May and June off, dude. We're still we're still in June. <sighs> All right. He only takes the first half of June off. No. I'm out. No thanks. I'm gonna... And it's, I think he'll be higher on than we think he is. And... and for that same reason, I'm gonna no buy some of Bubba. I have to. Nope. I mean, no I, you have to. Three-time nope. champ. Don't care. Bomber. Loves this course. Loves this course. I mean, if it pours down rain and, and he's on the fa- the the favorable tee times, I would yes, I'll reconsider and have a little bit. But if if it if it doesn't line up, the stars don't align like that. No thanks. Right. So. I only I only have one other one? guy, and I think he's going to be chalk. One other guy in the case is Charlie Hoffman at eighty one hundred. And the guy's a machine. Are he's you machine. doing? Are you doing he's one of those six K builds again? Wherever. No. No, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Casey. I'm gonna have Deshambo. I'm gonna have. I can't tell you the rest of my lineup because it's too easy. If you just pick my plays, you'll probably have my lineup because I only have like two guys in each range and Charlie Hoffman. There's another guy that I will eat the chalk on. Dude, how? And he's, he's eight for eight in cuts here. I mean, he's coming second, third, seventh, fifteenth. He's he's what 8100? 8100. He doesn't even have to. He doesn't even have to do that. Great. And he missed his last event was missed cut. Sure. Okay. Fine. Lower the ownership a little bit. I mean, he's a forgotten about name. If, as long as no one, I mean, people are gonna look at. You know, course history and see that, but he'll, they'll roster him. But I think mean, he, he, he had a potential to go overlooked here. Dude, I, I think Charlie Hoffman's going to be very highly owned. Sure. To fine. where I would just rather jump down to Daniel Berger. I mean, <sighs> you got the fifth, second, and 67th, but Berger, who's in pretty decent form recently, and drops the. I wouldn't go that far. I. I mean, he's made the cut. That's huge for Daniel Berger. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you need to. I mean, you got to have upside. I mean, where's his upside in the last, you know, nine nine events? He hasn't finished better than twenty third. Hey, blind squirrels got to find a nut sometime. Puerto Rico Open, man, February second place. Oh, that was. Where the hell are we going? February? That is not Let's recent do. form. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I get, yeah, Berger lines up well here, but... Uh, you, you know who are two yeah. guys that line up well here that no one's going to own? And you're not going to play him. 
but they're they're right up my alley. Sneds Ooh. and Reed. Yeah, fade, fade. Yep, you're right. I have I, I, Patrick Reed. Oh my God, you're gonna tell me if I can get Patrick Reed at sub ten percent, sub eight percent? Nah, not the way he's been playing. It hasn't been that bad. It hasn't been that good. Either. Yeah, but you're talking about a guy who can win the tournament. We're talking about leverage, and that's what we talked about earlier in this segment. 32nd at the U.S. Open, missed the cut at the PGA, 63rd at the Byron, 28th at the Wells, 36th at the Masters. He hasn't been terrible. His putter has just sucked. Yeah, I agree with you. He's not been terrible. He just hasn't been good. I, I think you have to consider Patrick Reed in MME. You have to. <sighs> nah. Dude, you have. No thanks. That's that's total leverage to the field to a guy who can win this tournament. I get it if you don't want to play uh, Snedeker, especially after last week. Like nope. I had him last week, and he, he he was terrible, and he was coming in in great form. But you want to consider that a hiccup? Consider playing you know Pebble Beach U.S. Open, choked in the Big Show. I mean, before that, 4th at the RBC Canadian, 19th at the Schwab, 16th at the PGA, 48th at the RBC Heritage. I could see going back to Sneds, too. Nope. Can't get me on. Won't happen. These pivots away from... These are pivots away from those chalky plays to guys who are better than those players. Patrick Reed is a better player than Ches Oh, I concur. Yes. I don't know. I don't like Reeve either. Patrick Reed's better than like Charlie Hoffman. He's a better golfer. Yes, but not at this point. Uh, I could think of it in, in this situation. Maybe not. Yes, overall, long-term, yes. I'm going to win a lot of money this week. We'll right. see. 7K range. Uh, elephant in the room, at least in this range. Victor Hovland. Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, because yes, as a golfer, no, as a DFS play. You know, I was on him last week, and I loved him, and he was priced appropriately. T12 missed out on $233,000 because of his amateur status. You know, that stinks for him, but still playing well as a number one ranked amateur golfer in the world. <laughs> is he ever? Uh, I jumped in at he the right time. here? I was trying to look it up, uh, and I couldn't find it. I thought maybe you I did not. I did not run across it because, uh, no, I don't think he's ever, no, I don't think so. I mean, no, I don't think he has. I'll go back and check, but I can't find... I didn't see it in my notes on him. I didn't dig hard into him because I don't think I'm going to play him. I mean, after a T12, I think a lot of people are going to be on him. Uh, I'm going to watch the ownership this week. I like him. I think he's a great play, but if he becomes mega chalk, I think that I just might have to back off here. And I like a guy that will go lesser, lesser owned and he's just as good. And we'll get to him in in the six yeah. range or the low seven. Yeah, range, with Hovland, I don't think I'm going to take any pieces. He's actually going to get paid this week if he finishes. Um, I I'm still looking. I don't think he's ever played here, and I I know he played no, a couple I, I, obviously for the U.S. Amateur, but yeah, I went back to twenty nine two thousand nine. I didn't see anything so, for him. So at least on this, yeah, no, I don't think but, so. All right. The other chalk in this range, Grio. Yeah, I like him. I think I'll have a some. I mean, first and short game on approach, or short game on approach for the last 36. He ranks sixth in my model. He's 16th in DK points. 
uh, a concern is off the tee and some scrambling, but you know, I get it. I just won't have a lot. No, that makes sense. I, I think I'm in the position of where I'm going to – I know when Grio tends to burn people, just like when I know Joel Dahman tends to burn people. And this smells yeah. like I'm going to yep. burn the field. So I, I think yep. I'm, I'm going to – I'm okay with, with missing out on, on him. Who else do you like in this range? Let's see. Let's talk about let's talk about this guy. We've mentioned him every week. So Sanjay M at seventy eight hundred. Every week we say he has to take a break. Well, you can't stop the machine unless you don't qualify for the U.S. Open. So he was forced to take a week off. So maybe he comes back as the machine two point uh, He ranks eighth overall in my model, and he's still, despite playing week after week after week up to the U.S. Open, is playing consistent golf. He's priced under eight k, and at the RBC Canadian Open he gained. 10.1 strokes total, and he was green across the board after struggling for four weeks He is weeks egregiously uh, underpriced. I just can't. I was off of him for the last, like, six events, and, you know, I think he needed to take a break, even though he showed up well RBC, at the Canadian Open. I just cannot see why he is priced this low. I just don't get it. I mean, he, he I could see if he hadn't finished seventh, and he was coming in, like, atrocious the last previous four events, but... I don't know. For me, I just can't see a reason to fade him here. Like, he is incredibly, incredibly underpriced. Uh, yeah. Yep. He should be 8,500. He's seventh in the field in scoring. Yeah, it's just on un- 64th in uh, the world golf rankings. You know, in my private model, ranks 23rd. And that's kind of biased to multiple years of stats. Um, and fifty to one in Vegas odds. I I got him at sub six percent ownership right now. I think that number's gonna go up. I do feel I, I mean Touts are gonna have to realize this, right? We can't be the only ones on him. But that no. is such a cheap price for Sun J M. Like it's insane how cheap he is. I completely agree with you. Yep. Stat wise he fits every yep. criteria. The only thing you wish is you had some course history here, but it really it, as we noticed, it doesn't matter. The, the the machine nope. the Terminator is going to keep going on, so can't be stopped. Can't be stopped. So a guy I'm going back to because a long term form, and you are going to blast my balls. <laughs> CT Pant. Oh, I have him. I do have him. I have him as a, as he made the fifth uh, pick for me for seven seven Ks. So I, I think I'm with everyone him is going to see how bad he was last week. And they are going yep. to say, no, thank you. I don't want it. But I'm going right back to this guy. Like, this is a, a scorer's course. He fits this course. It's a guy who's already won on tour this year. Okay. Over the last 24 rounds, you know, you, obviously even with last week's hiccup, he's 18th in proximity, 18th in par fours to 450 yards in the last 24 rounds. In my mixed condition model, overall, he's 20th in the field in the 400 to 450 yard range and in the last eight rounds 29th in that 400 to 450 yard range ct pan is going to be low owned and a guy who can top 10 this tournament i love him love him love him love him going to consider him for a core play nope yep Uh, i won't go as far as saying core play for me but i agree with everything that you said so who else you got in this range i know i know you love it 
I do. I do. I love it a lot. And, you know, a couple other names I'll mention, I don't want to go into craziness, is, uh, you know, Adam had one at 7,600, I think is good. Um, Russell Knox, 7,700, you know, I have some interest in, but the guy I like the most out of the 7K range, and I think he'll go under-owned because he's unknown, uh, because Hovland is going to steal all the thunder as the number one, you know, world amateur golf ranking, is the guy who's right behind him at number two, an Oklahoma State teammate, is Matthew Wolf at 7,300. He's making his pro debut this week. After if if you search him on Instagram, you'll see his hype video. Uh, get you all pumped up. Uh, you know he turned heads in his his like amateur PGA Tour debut at the Waste Management Open, where he was cranking off 332 yard drives off the tee. Uh, he he carded a 67 first round, which the Waste Management's a scorer's course, so you know that is correlates here. Um, he made the cut at TPT, TPC Scottsdale and finished T50. So. I love him as an under-owned play. I think he comes in, you know, I think he'll probably get talked up a little bit as the week goes on. Uh, I hope not too much. I think he'll still be sub 5% and hopefully around two or three. Uh, at 7,300, a guy who's going to go under-owned because of all the success Hovland's had. I mean, he's right behind him in skill. Uh, I love him this week. Yeah. I, I, you know, you, you mentioned some guys that I like there, and, and I agree. They're, Hadwin especially, and Wolf at that 76, 7,300. I think they're going to be lower owned, and I think they're going to be good leverage plays. Someone I want to go back to, and we kind of already talked about him, is Joel Dahman. Um, I think it's one of those, I think people, when they played him last time, um, when he was like super chalky, just, uh, didn't he burn you? Yeah, yeah he did. He yep. burned you. Sure I mean, like, he, it, was the, it was the U.S. Open, he missed the cut. At the Memorial 68th, yep. and then missed the cut the Schwab. I think it was the Schwab where he burned everyone. And it's that point in time for Domin where he sucks, he sucks, he sucks, and then boom, he turns it around and he, he's getting second place like he did at the Wells Fargo, or 16th at the RBC Heritage, or 12th at Corrales. You know, and it's that ebb and flow. You talk about a roller coaster ride. Joel Domin is a roller coaster fucking ride. And if you get him right, you get. You, you're paid huge dividends to have Joel Dahman. The other guy in this range, 7,100, is Mackenzie Hughes. Okay. In the last 24 rounds, 10th overall in my model, 7th in strokes gained par 4, 2nd in that poor, uh, par 4, 400 to 450 range, and 36th in T to green. So Hughes, looking at his uh, past history, 14th at the Canadian, 8th at the Schwab, Missed the cut at the Nelson, missed the cut at the Fargo, 63rd at the RBC Heritage, 42nd at the Valero, but second at Corrales, okay? He does have top 20 upside. I like fitting him in there, maybe not as a core play, but as a filler guy, putting that at maybe like 5 6% of my lineups. Someone who I absolutely am going to have pieces of. Yeah, actually, I kind of overlooked Hughes, and as you said that, I kind of looked looked into him a little bit, and yeah, I think he does line up pretty well for this. His stats didn't jump off the page for me, but you know, going a little bit deeper on the on the second level, yeah, he's in good form. Uh, I worry about his DK scoring, but I think he's. I mean, for seventy one hundred, he doesn't have to do a lot. Yeah, and the last two guys that I think are going to be kind of chalky. Well, one guy will be chalky for it's Russell Henley. I I, I think people are going to look at his course history, yeah. his stats, and they're going to say, oh yeah. Russell Henley, we can, we can fit him in at, at 7,500. He, he fits my lineup no problem, especially at that price. But the other golfer, Lucas Glover. Nah. You're not going to ride the glove train? Nah. I mean, phenomenal like run here that ended last week. But, you know, 
he just doesn't do well here. He's missed th- f- three of the last four cuts, and the one he made was 47th. Then he missed a cut the year before that, so four of the last five. I don't know. Eh, that, that, you, you miss four of your last five cuts on one course, I just I can't get on board. Yeah, course history does not fare well for him. I agree. But, I mean, he does have the skills and stats to back up his play, that he should be a better play here, that he should make more cuts, and that she, he should finish better. Um, you know, this tournament's occurring at a different time of year than it normally does even though it is occurring sure. at the same time after the U.S. Open. So might be fatigue that's settling in last year or years been passed. I'm not quite sure. So it's something to observe. Not going to be overweight, but most definitely going to have maybe a piece or two of Glover. So anyone else in the 7K range? Nope. We're, I'm out. That's all I got. Okay. Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. (laughs) A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. I'm ready to, to debut my monsters. Well, this is this is this is your show, your segment. Why don't Why don't you introduce our little six <laughs> K MG monsters and guarantee the Martin Pillar effect? Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and start with my guarantee this week. And you know, I kind of went overboard last week well, on, wait, the, wait, wait, on wait. the unknowns. We got to tell our new listeners what this is. All right, because, okay, fair enough. Monster. I mean, you're we, right. We, you're we right. Just because had, we've got, we we've got Spain. new. I mean, who knows who's coming next? That's true. You're right. All right. So let's see. Welcome to the Martin Pillar effect, where I amazingly called a guaranteed Martin Pillar making the cut, and I think I even guaranteed that he would top 25 it, if I remember correctly. And he did great on Thursday, and then bombed Friday and missed the cut by only one stroke. Just want to again go back to that. So we decided to come up with a segment where we pick two guys under 6K or under 7K that one will make the cut as our guarantee and two, our monster, which will do, I believe, T25 or better. I think we even moved it to T20 last week because we were feeling a little crazy. But no matter what, we'll do T25 for the monster and our guarantee will make the cut. So for me, my guarantee this week is Von Taylor at 6,700. You know, I wanted to go with another amateur in this, in this range, but... I looked at Von Taylor's history. He's made eight of nine cuts here. He's also coming off four straight cuts on the PGA Tour. I don't expect him to do much better than make the cut, but I'm going to play it safe here and pick Von Taylor. Playing it safe. Okay, so my monster is going to be Peter Malnati. All right, now, we worry about Malnati's off the tee game, but guess what? Off the tee is not one of the major stats that we have to worry about here at this course. And he's 11th in birdies or better gain in the last 24 rounds, 28th in strokes gained par 4, and 12th in approach. Concerned about his ball striking a little bit and concerned a little bit about his scrambling, but at 6,900, I do think Malnati is going to finish in the top 25. You look at his recent history, 31st at the RBC Canadian Open, 17th in Memorial, 40th at the Schwab, 72nd at the Nelson. 
if you think about trends, he's trending upwards, okay? He did miss a cut at the Wells Fargo, but before that, you had a 16th at RBC Heritage and a 23rd at the Valero. So top 25 is absolutely achievable for Malnati. He is my monster. Interesting choice. I know. Very I like interesting. It. So, so my monster okay. this week, I'm going back to the well, and I was high on him last week. For whatever reason, I didn't pick him for my monster or my guarantee, but I'm not going to be wrong again, and I think it's a better course for him anyway, is Colin Morikawa at 6,900. He finished T35 last week at the U.S. Open on a harder course where he should have done poorly based on everyone's understanding of how he should have performed. However, he had done well there in the past. So, he is going to be an 8 to 9K golfer in a couple of years. Get on him now. He's going to be super low-owned, and he's definitely got T20 upside here. And I will be... He's not going to be like a 5% guy for me. I will be have a lot of Colin Morikawa this week. A lot? A lot. Like 20%. A lot. 20 to 25. 20 to 30%. Okay. Not bad. It's a scoring course. I think he's got what it takes here. The field is not that strong. Granted, it's got a couple of phenomenal golfers, I just, I really don't think 10K and above guys are going to win this event. And I think Colin Morikawa finishes T20 or higher. All right. Well, my guarantee is going to be Lahiri. And the whole reason is statistically, the man does not fit any mold. His course history is great 17th, 9th. And, you know, that's a place average of 13th if you look at his two appearances here. Why he does so well, the man's from India. And this course is so similar to the ones he grew up playing in India. And that's why I think he does so well. So he's my guarantee to play the cut. I don't have any stats that are going to support that other than the fact of his background and where he's played golf growing up. So I'm very surprised that you didn't flip-flop your guarantee at Monster. I could have done that, but that would have been too easy. You know, I like I like, I like like being risky. I like living on the edge. You should know that by now. I mean, look, I'm, I want to play Patrick Reed this week. So That's true, but, yeah. You might as well play JB Holmes. You know, it would have been too easy. You look at the past history. A lot of people, if anyone looks at Lahiri, and I mean, they're going to look at his stats and say, "Well, that cocksucker can't golf." But you know, True. whatever the case may be. But no, anyone else in this six K range that you guys like that you like? Uh, uh, you know, not really. I mean, I have some interest in Ryan Armour, Boo Weekly, and Hunter Mahan, but not a ton. I don't think I will have much. I think I'll be more exposed to Marikawa, Von Taylor, and then jumping up to the low 7Ks with Wolf, Hadwin, and that's probably it. And then I'll have all the guys I mentioned in 9 and 8K because I only have four. Well, I am going to go back to the well. And I am going to mention Cameron Tringale. <laughs> I love Cameron. You know, he's looking up. Um, in his last five rounds, the only thing he's really losing is off the tee and around the green, but... You know, 11th of the RBC Canadian Open, 23rd at the Byron Nelson. Did miss the cut at the Wells Fargo, but before that, 17th at the Valero. So, you know, he is trending upwards in, in my model. I do like it. Overall, he ranks 20th in my in my um, uh, current stance model. In my mixed condition model, he ranks 33rd. So, long-term, bad golfer. Short-term, he's on fire. He's one of the short-term plays I'm willing to take a chance on this week. Other guys, Sam Ryder. Um... A guy I'm going to have to dive more into is Cameron Champ. 
I've seen a lot of people mention Cameron Champ already this so week. So if he ends up becoming too owned, obviously I'm not going to play him. But um, yeah, he's a guy that I really want to take a deeper dive into when I have more time this week. A guy I'm fading yeah. is, is, is Jonas Blixt. I'm not going to play that guy again. I played him when I had to, and I got everything out of him that I could. Um, you know, the fifth at the Schwab. After that, I, I, I just have no interest. That course history here is terrible. Terrible. Um, Morikawa, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. The guy that interests me, Trey Molinex. Yeah. So, yeah. I can always I can go that. back to like old Hunter Mayhan. Maybe they'll find lightning, lightning in a bottle and, <laughs> and everything like that. So, all right. Well, that was a good, good Monsters and Guarantee. I like it. I just want to point out that last week, although I hit most of my 6K picks, I do want to say that I did mention the amateur Devin Bling as someone who interests me. And the note about Devin Bling is he finished dead fucking last. Last week at the U.S. Open at 20 over. So, yeah, I'll take my loss on that one. Although I didn't have, I think I had one lineup with him in there. But I did mention him last week, so if anyone rostered him, I apologize because he was just the... He was the worst. I think I had 40% CT pan. <laughs> he still didn't do as bad as Devin Bling. I, I, after day one, I he think shot. I, I think he was in dead last after day one. At least close damn to it. No, Devin Bling shot an 82 on day one. No. I can tell you right now who shot the worst. Eric Dietrich shot oh. an 83. Followed by Zach Blair, Devin Bling, Noah Norton, Lucas Beregard. And then CT pin. All right. So, not as bad. You only shot 11 over. <laughs> oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. <sighs> well, that'll wrap up. Yeah, anyway. anyway, that'll wrap up the cut line in our analysis of the Travelers Championship. Join us next week as we break down the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Is that really the name of it? Quicken Loans, so, right? Again, thanks to Fantasy National and PGA. And Zach, I would like to thank you, my man. Oh, Great thank show. you. Love you, Excellent. Sam. You can find Zach on Twitter at EaglesFan83. I am Michael Cavalunas. You can find me on Twitter at Lunas. And of course, you can find the cut line at the cut line lineup lock is at 5 a.m eastern standard time let's see some winners go and get them <laughs>